have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in Galatians chapter 2. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there, do that. We'll be in verse number 19. And today we are continuing our series soundtrack, What Does Your Life Sound Like? Now the fact of the matter is that all of our lives, in, in one way or another, are making some kind of noise. Uh, there are people all around us, and whenever they look into our lives, our lives, whether you, whether you admit it or not, our lives are speaking to people. And so the question is, what are our lives saying about us? And, and not just about us, especially for those of us who say that we're followers of Jesus, what do our lives have to say about Jesus to other people? And so today what we're going to see is that one of the songs that ought to be on every believer's soundtrack is transformation. That Jesus has transformed and has changed your life. And that ought to be something that is evident to other people. Now, I just want to let you know this. I want you to know I am preaching to myself as well because I find this to be very convicting. So if I'm a follower of Jesus, when Jesus touches me, then I just become a different person. And, and I started thinking about that, and I thought about some, some of the people in my life who have, who have shaped me and molded me and made me, in a lot of ways, the person that I am. And I want you to think about some of the people that have been transformative in your life. And, and I'd say that a lot of us, we would say, well, it would be our parents, or that it would be a really good friend, or it would be a teacher, or it would be a spouse, you know, somebody like that. The peop- there are people in your life who transform you. Um, I, I read a story, and I actually saw this in the newspaper, and I thought it was really interesting, that in southern Japan, there were some farmers that came up with this really ingenious idea of how to grow watermelons. Now, they wanted to grow watermelons in a special way, because if you have a watermelon uh, and you put it in your refrigerator, you know, it kind of rolls around, it's just sort of cumbersome. And so they came up, because space is very limited in Japan, they said, we want to we come up with a way to handle our watermelons so that they are more, more practical for us to use. And so they actually have developed a way to grow square watermelons that fit perfectly into their refrigerators. Now, I have a picture of this uh, that I thought you would enjoy. Isn't that cool? I said, isn't that neat? So they, they actually, those are the perfect dimension to fit into your refrigerator so the watermelons don't roll around. So you'd have to say this about those watermelons. When those watermelons are in the hands of a farmer, they are transformed. I mean, they, they become different. Well, the same thing ought to be said about the lives of believers, that whenever our lives are in the hands of Jesus, then he will transform us and shape us into the people that we ought to be. I mean, the Bible tells us this in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. And so that's the big question for us today. Is your life playing the music of transformation? Has Jesus transformed your life? Now you might say, well, how is Jesus supposed to transform my life? What what is he supposed to do in me that makes me different? Now we're looking at the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is basically, it's a document 
that has been written to show us that in order to be shaped and transformed by God, it does not come down to following rules and regulations, does not come down to doing more good things than bad things. And that can be surprising to a lot of people because I think a lot of people, when they think about the Christian faith, they think, well, what it means is that I do this, but I don't do that. I follow this rule, and I don't break that rule. But I want to share something with you. I want you to know that God is not interested in creating a bunch of rule keepers. You know what he's interested in? Transforming your life. Making you a new creation. Making you and me different. So so then, here's the question. How does Jesus transform us? You know, how does he make us square watermelons? Well, I want to share with you a few ways that Jesus transforms you. First way is, he, he just very simply, he makes you a new person. When Jesus touches your life, he makes you a new person. Verse number 19, it says, this is what Paul wrote. He said, for, for through the law, I have died to the law, that I might live to, this to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, the very first converts to Christ were Jewish people. And you might remember that the old way of life for the Jewish people, it it was to follow the law. It was following rules and regulations. The new way of life was now to follow Jesus. Now, that was a real conundrum for a lot of the people. They struggled with this idea of, of trusting in Christ to make them right before God instead of trusting in their own performance. And, and if you're trusting in your performance to make yourself right before God, I want you to that is an untenable position. And the reason why is because none of us can pull it off. Now we think, well, if I do more good things than bad things, then surely I'm good with God. Well, that's my standard. That's the way I like to live. That is not God's standard. God's standard for us is perfection. If you decide to live by the law, you have to perfectly follow it. I mean, listen to James 2.10. It says, For whoever keeps the entire law, yet fails in one point, he is guilty of breaking it all. Now, how does that strike you? I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I mean, I look at y'all, and I know y'all are all in trouble. And so, you know, I am too. And it makes it even more depressing whenever you read Romans 3, 10 through 12. It says, there is no one righteous, no, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become useless. There's no one who does what is good, not even one. So that's why it's so important that Paul said followers of Jesus die to the law. Now, now, you say, well, now, what does that mean? I die to the law. Well, that's a very significant point right here. Because whenever you die to the law, that means that the law no longer has power over you. Let me try to explain it like this. Have you ever seen a dead person arrested? Have you ever seen a dead person pulled over for speeding? 
Well, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, there's the obvious because he's dead. But a a dead person can't be convicted of breaking a law because he's dead. Dead people don't break the law. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying when you die to the law, quit living based on performance and say, I died to that way of life. He says, then the law no longer has power over you. Now, does that mean that, that I can do whatever I want? I can live as I please and I don't have to worry about it? That's not what it means. Paul said we die to the law for a reason, so that we can now live in Christ. Romans 7, 4 says, Therefore, my brothers, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the crucified body of the Messiah, so that we may belong to another, to him who is raised from the dead, that we may, it says, bear fruit for God. Now, very simply put, if you decide to live for yourself, decide to live on performance space, trying to please God, you and I are going to fall woefully short. But whenever we decide to quit living for self and we decide we're going to depend upon God, then God does something in your life. He makes you a new person. You're no longer going to be held accountable or held guilty by what the law says because you've died to that. Say, Lord, now I'm going to trust in you and live in you because of what he's done. Uh, Any of y'all ever heard of, y'all know Vince Lombardi, the coach of the uh, Dallas Cowboys? I'm just kidding, the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, he had a player during practice who was doing terrible, and Lombardi just absolutely lit into him. Got up in his face, said, you are horrible, you have no talent. He said, you're not doing your blocking assignments. He said, you are doing a horrible job, practice is over, go to the locker room. About an hour later, Lombardi happened to make his way by the locker room. He looked in, and the guy he had just, it was a guard, that he had just chewed out was still sitting there wearing his pads, and he was crying. Now, Lombardi saw him, and he walked over and sat down next to him, and he said, Jerry, let me tell you something. He said, everything I said at practice is true. That's, that's a Barnabas guy right there, an encourager. Everything I said is true. He said, you can't block, you don't listen to me, and you haven't shown a whole lot of talent. But I should have finished the rest of the story. He said, when I look at you, he said, inside of you, there's a great player. And he said, if you'll listen to me, I can shape you into being a champion. Now, for all the really old people, that was Jerry Kramer, who turned out to be a Hall of Fame football player, and that meeting changed his life. Now, here's what was great about Lombardi. Lombardi saw not what was on the outside of people. He saw what was on the inside of them. And he knew if he could get on the inside and pull that, pull that out, he could make them champions. He could make them new people. Well, let, let me tell you something. The Lord is very honest with us. He tells us, if you try to handle things yourself, you will fail. If you try to, try to make it on your own, he said, you're going to do a lousy job of it. But here's the, the really great thing is God doesn't look at us on the outside. He looks at us on the inside, and he says, if you will just give yourself to me, I can make you a champion. I can transform your life. And then whenever 
we entrust ourselves to Him, then Christ's power comes inside of us, and then it begins to ooze out of us, and we become different people. So whenever I look into our Scripture, I see Jesus transforms His followers. How does He do it? Makes you a new person. How else does He do it? Well, another way Jesus transform, transforms you is He gives you a new focus. And, and I see that in verse number 20. Paul said, and I no longer live. My focus has changed. He says, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, verse 20 again, he says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now, once you surrender yourself to the leadership of Jesus, you become a new person. Your focus changes. It's like, I'm not going to live for me anymore. What I want to do is I want to live for God. I want to serve Him. And simply put, what happens is that God, through that, gives you a new lease on life. Because if you live for self, what, what's, the, what's the destination you're headed towards? It's eternal separation from God. But if you live for Jesus, it's a new lease on life. You know, to me, it's like this. It's like in your home, let's say you have a, an old stove and it just burns out. Now, if you have a stove that is no longer working, what are you going to do? Are you going to get a new one? Or are you going to make your kids do child labor? I mean, it's going to be one of the two. You're going you're to get a new stove, right? Now, when you get a new stove, you bring the new stove into the house. What do you do with the old stove? You don't keep it do you? Yeah, I mean, you don't leave it there. You get rid of it. Now, a lot of times what we do as believers, we have our old way of life, and then we entrust ourselves to Jesus, but we keep the old way of life around, like that old stove. And so we don't make room for the things of God, and there's a constant battle going on between the old and the new, and we continue to flirt with the old habits of life. If you got an old stove and you bring in a new one, you have to get rid of the old one to allow the new to do its work. Paul spoke about this in Romans 6, 1 through 7. He said, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? He said, absolutely not. How can all who died to sin still live in it? I'm not going to read all that scripture there, but he says, when we begin to follow Jesus, that you died to sin, you put that stuff away, and now you live for Christ. You see, whenever we hang on to the old way of life, you know what we're doing? We're playing with stuff that's dead. You know, so it'd be like if, if you had a, a, a pet, and this is, uh, this is not a great example, but my wife's not in here to get on to me, but I'll, if you had a pet and the pet died, and then three weeks later, you dug it up and started playing with it again. Would that be weird? I mean, that's, I'm, that, it's an, you get it, though, don't you? That'd be, that'd be bizarre. You're, you're not going to do it. You know, it's, it's begun to decay. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you, I want you to understand, that is what you and I are doing when we play with sin. We are digging up the dead and playing with it. And I promise you it will not benefit your life at all. You're playing with something that is rotten and will not be a blessing to your life. You know, in the, in the 1800s, the early 1800s, at the very finest hospitals, one out of six mothers in childbirth would die. The best hospitals in the world, one out of six would die. 
there was a guy named Dr. Simulice who, who kind of did some study on this. He thought that is way too high. And here, here, was the, here was the normal work day for a doctor. A doctor would begin his morning by doing autopsies. And then he would begin to deal with mothers who were with child. In between those two steps, he would not wash his hands. Now, that was just, that was, nor- that was normal. Nobody knew about germs or anything like that. Well, Simulice saw that. And he began to wash his hands. Now, because he did that, during his 11-year career, he delivered over 8,500 babies, and only 184 mothers died. Now, in those days, that standard was unbelievable. And so he began to preach. He said, if you want mothers to live, he said, wash your hands. He said, if you are tired of seeing death, he said, you must wash the death death off of your hands. Guys, you, you want your life to be different? Then get rid of death. Change your focus. But Paul said, I'm, I'm now going to live by faith and trust in the Son of God. He changed his focus from living for himself to living for God. Now, how did he change his focus? Well, because he focused on Jesus. And what did Jesus do? You know, Jesus went to the cross because he loves you, and he died for you, and then he rose from the grave. And whenever you allow that to be your focus, and you understand God loves you, it changes the way you live. It changes your perspective. You, you want to live in a way to please a God who loved you so much that he gave his life for you. So, so how do we make music with our lives where transformation is seen? Well, Jesus does it by, he, first of all, he makes you a new person. He gives you a new focus. And this is the last thing. The final way Jesus transforms you is he will make you dependent. He'll make you dependent upon him. In verse number 21, Paul said, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Now the very first part is he said, I will not set aside the grace of Christ. Now, this is an interesting thing to me because everything I've ever been taught in life, and probably the same for many of you, is that the way you know that you are an adult, the way you know that you are, that you are successful, that you have made it, that you're moving in the right direction, is you become independent, right? For those of you who have kids, 18 years old, you are now independent and you will no longer live with me. And that's sort of the hope, right? We all want our kids to be independent. And then I read this scripture. And Paul says, the goal is to become dependent. I mean, that, now that, that, that just rubs, that rubs me the wrong way. And I'm not supposed to become dependent. You know, I'm supposed to be independent. When I'm independent, that means I have freedom. So, so then how is being dependent upon God a positive? Well, if I'm dependent upon myself, y'all, I'm going to be doomed. If I'm dependent upon myself, I'm going to be in trouble. I don't have any future. Listen to what Proverbs 14, 12 says. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. What's wrong with the way that I think? What's wrong with the way that I do things? You know know what's at the very core of you and me? Just at the very core of who we are as people. We're sinful. The very core of who we are is that we are flawed from the very beginning. 
Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, You, speaking of everybody, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. And Paul said, We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And then here's the key part. And we were by nature... Children under wrath as the others were also. Everybody from the very beginning, y'all, we are all flawed. So if we are all flawed and we are depending on ourselves, we are depending upon flawed logic. We are in trouble. We've, We've dug a hole that is way too deep for us to get ourselves out of. That's why we need to be dependent upon Jesus. That's why Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is so precious to so many believers. It says, we are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. It is not from your works so that no one can boast. The only way to being rescued, to being able to experience eternal life in heaven, is to attach yourself to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I can't do it. I've got to let you do the work. And so I'm just going to hang on to you, and I'm going to go along for the ride, Jesus, because if I, if I trust myself, I, I'm not going to make it. I can give you an example of this. A few weeks ago, I took my sons on a trip. Now, I grew, I grew up in Oklahoma, and my sons have never been there, and since they've been little, I've always told them, oh, I'm going to take you on a trip out there. I've never done it, and they, so they think I'm, so dad's a liar. He's never taken me, so I surprised them on Labor Day. I got them tickets, and so we went to the airport in Columbia. We got on a plane. And two and a half hours later, we arrived in my hometown. You know how we got there? It wasn't because of anything great that I did. The only reason why we got there is because we got on board a plane. And we said, we're just going to get on board, and we're going to go along for the ride. And it took us to the place where we needed to go. Okay, that's, that's what Jesus says. Jesus is our only way to heaven. Acts 4.12 says, there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. The only way we get there is to say, Jesus, I'm just going to attach myself to you. I'm going to go along for the ride. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Okay, so, so what does all this mean? It means when you give yourself to him, you entrust yourself to Jesus, he will change you. So then here's my question from the very beginning. What kind of music is your life playing? When people look at you, are they able to look at you and see through your life that you have been transformed by Jesus? Because let me tell you something, you you cannot be touched by Jesus and stay the same person. How do I know that? Because when Jesus touches you, he makes you a new person. He gives you new focus. And he makes you dependent upon him. But none of that will happen unless you grab on to him and say, Jesus, I'm going along for the ride. I don't know how in the world it's going to happen, but I'm just going to trust you. Have you done that? Have, have you trusted, entrusted your life to Jesus? Because when you do, let me share some good news with you. He will change you. You are by nature children of wrath, just like me. But he will take that and make you a new person so that you can live forever in heaven with him. And let me tell you, if you do that, that will take a whole lot of pressure off of your life.